Amen. The grave is empty. Amen. Happy Resurrection Day. Jesus is alive. Amen. Well, welcome to Cornerstone Church this Easter morning. My name is Sean Epstein. I'm the lead pastor here. We're glad you're here today. Aren't you excited? Amen. What God is doing. Don't you love the new carpet and the new carpet smell? <laughs> Amen. We're not done with all the remodeling here. We'll be uh, doing some other things later on. Uh, in uh, the next month and this summer, and so we're really excited about what God's doing. Thank you for coming today. You know, I, I want to give you some really good news today. How many guys want some good news? Amen? You know, uh, the foundation of our Christian faith is not Christian. Aren't you glad about that? The foundation of our Christian faith is not not Christian behavior. Aren't you very glad about that? Amen? Turn to your neighbor, I'm sad and glad about that. And the foundation of our Christian faith isn't prayer. It isn't answered prayer. The foundation of our Christian faith isn't a local church. The foundation of our Christian faith is what we celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday. The foundation of our Christian faith is Jesus Christ, how He lived, how He died, and how He rose again. Amen? And that's the foundation, and that's why we're here today, is to celebrate Jesus. Amen? You know... There's over 2 billion people right now, this weekend, that are celebrating a Jewish carpenter who lived a life um, on this earth, who went public for three years, who traveled, never traveled more than 30 miles away from his home, who never wrote a book, who never had a podcast, who never had a Facebook. But over 2 billion people today are celebrating Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as the risen Lord and Savior. And the only plausible explanation of why this happened is what happened 2,000 years ago on this weekend. 2,000 years ago, on this weekend, on Friday, Jesus was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was crucified. And He dies on the cross. The sky goes black when He dies. The veil of the temple is torn in two, saying that there is no more separation between God and man. They take him out off that cross and wrap his body in a hundred pounds of, of barrel cloth, and they place them in a borrowed tomb. They push a 4,000-pound boulder to, to, of, over the entrance of that tomb and place a Roman garrison, 16-member Roman garrison that is assigned to protect that tomb to make sure none of his followers take that body. His followers are left shocked. They're dismayed. They're, they're hopeless. They're in despair. And it seems like the forces of darkness is winning. It actually seems like, was Jesus really who he said he was? And then on Sunday, a day that's so amazing, that's been called the most important day of history, Jesus conquers death. He rises out of that grave. He escapes his burial clothes and he exits that tomb for all to see him. His friends, his family, his followers, and people who didn't even know him start to look and say, isn't that Jesus who died on the cross? And he begins to restore hope. Now mankind has a way and knows how to be united with the Father forever. And that's why Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. This day today represents hope for everyone in this world. And a lot of people wonder if the miracle called Easter really ever happened. 
Some people think that the that it might have been the dreamt up by his followers that Jesus uh, followers try to keep the memory of alive and and to sustain the movement that they worked so hard on for the past three years. The problem with that kind of thinking that stunned people don't start movement. Occasionally, people might make up stories to keep this this memory alive of, of their dead hero, but a lot of people make up stories, but very few people are willing to die for a story that's been made up. All of Jesus' original 12 disciples gave their lives defending the story. One of them, Judas, committed suicide because he, he turned Jesus over. He betrayed Jesus and caused his death. The ten other, ten other of, of the disciples, they died death, martyred death because of their belief that Jesus rose again to the dying breath. Ten of them continued to say that Jesus rose again and that he is Lord of all and that he is the only way to get to God. And the twelfth disciple, John, spent years of exile on the Isles of Patmos, thousands of miles away from his homeland, telling about Resurrection Sunday. And he died on that island away from his family. See, people give their life for a good cause, but rarely will people die for a cause they know to be a lie. If Jesus hadn't risen, the disciples would have known it, and they wouldn't have lived the life they lived, suffered what they suffered, and died the way they did if that was a lie. From Friday to Sunday, this was truly the greatest turnaround, the greatest reversal, the greatest comeback, the greatest do-over in, in all of mankind. The grave is empty and he is alive. And we celebrate an empty grave because that empty grave represents that everything that Jesus said he was is exactly who he said he was. Amen? Come on, rejoice for that. Amen? See, this is the greatest story that's ever been told because it's a living story. It's a story that is live, not one that was thought of by a man that's fictional or about a man that ended in his death. No, it's a story that draws every person on this earth, every person to become part of his story, history. It's a living story because it has power to transform lives. It's a living story because you and I can be a part of it. It's a story that didn't end at the cross, that didn't end at the grave, and hasn't ended yet, and will end one day when He comes back for His church. Amen? This is a story that Jesus right now is inviting all of us to live out in our lives because He says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Not life just on here on this earth, but for eternity we get to have the God kind of life, the life that He has always intended us to have since He made us. He invites all of us to come and accept this story. And this is where the story begins. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we begin to start this journey of life with God. And we begin we get to lose all the emptiness, the shame, the condemnation that has enslaved us for many years. And we gain His life, joy, peace, and purpose. Amen? There's a French uh, mathematician, scientist, um, pa Blaise Pasquale, and he said this, There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus. It is all about Jesus. 
Jesus is everything. During Jesus' life, I love this. I believe he, he asked his disciples a question. And this question, I believe, he's asking us today. Something very important. And the disciples needed to come to this decision. Who do you say that I am? Mark 8, 27, Jesus said, and Jesus and his disciples went around the villages, around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them the question, who do, you, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? I love that. I think Jesus is even asking us, no matter if you've been in church forever, or maybe this is the first time you stepped inside of a church today, he's asking, what about you today? Who do you say that I am? He asked that to Peter, one of his closest disciples. And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. So who is he? Now, some claim that Jesus is a great teacher. Others think he's a prophet. Even this, that's today. Some dismiss him as a liar or even a madman. Yet billions tell him as their Savior and Lord. But who do you say that he is? Because who, who you say he is will determine how you're going to receive what he has. If you become part of the story, you're going to receive that. People can reject the story, but my prayer is today that you would receive the story as he says it. That he is the Son of God, the Christ, the risen Savior, come to save the world, to give you life. That video we saw is about emptiness. And a lot of us have emptiness inside of us. And He's here to come and make your life to fill, to fill the void that's in your life. You know, there's three ways people get to know Jesus in our world. You know, since 2,000 years ago, there's, there's a thing called tradition. Some of you might have known Jesus because you were dragged to church when you were little, right? Some of you might have just heard the stories about Jesus because um, passed down from your grandmother or your grandfather. Some, some of you went to church, but it was almost all about rules and regulations. Tradition is an emotional value. It's merely a cultural connection, but there's no really connection relationally with Jesus. You know, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he had to deal with people who only knew God by tradition. They were called the Pharisees. And in Matthew chapter 15, he talks about these Pharisees because they were coming against him. They, didn't, they couldn't see the Son of God in front of them. They thought they knew God, but all they had was a form of godliness. And in Matthew 15, verse 7, he says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with the list, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are but rules taught by man. They knew Jesus. Not through relationship, but through tradition. Another way we find out about Jesus is through our intellect. We know some, some people love to study theology. I'm one of them. I love theology. A lot of people love to, to study and to, to think about. And maybe you don't, well, I don't like to study. Maybe you just know him in your mind. A lot of people worship doctrine, but they don't worship the Lord. But others, they're philosophers, and they, they pick through things. And they may choose part of the Bible, and they'll explain it away, other parts of the Bible, with their own words. Some dismiss the, 
the whole thing about Jesus as illogical completely false. Listen, you can't base your faith on understanding. The reason is because God is bigger than your brain. Paul, who was a very educated man, he wrote most of the New Testament. And he was in uh, the Corinth. And, and Corinth was this very um, philosophical area. I mean, people studied and philosophy was key. And he's talking to these group of people in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And he says this, my message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words of man's wisdom, but of the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. See, he, it's not in your mind. God's not in your mind. It's not about your intellect. But there's a third way, and I believe the only way that we can come to know Jesus, and it's through a personal encounter. We meet him face to face. If Jesus is alive, and he is, then we can encounter him because he's not dead. He wants a relationship instead of religion. In the Bible, as well as today, I've never seen any person go away from the Lord or deny Jesus when they had a God encounter with Jesus. I've seen people who have followed man and they thought they were following Jesus, but their hope was in man, and they fell away from the Lord. But when you have a face-to-face encounter with God, you're convinced. The story is not received from the outside in. It's actually received from the inside out. Jesus talks to your heart. I remember 36 years ago this August, in Wilmington, North Carolina, at Heritage Baptist Church, I gave my life to Jesus. I raised my hand and I walked an aisle and I said yes to the Lord. And the reason I did, because there was something encountering me on the inside. It wasn't that it was just because of the preacher and he preached good and it was really convincing. But listen, I was a young person. I wasn't listening to half he says. Not like you guys. You're listening to every word I say today. <laughs> I can see you're glued into it, right? Just, just help me out there. I say amen. And so here I was, and I, but I knew something on the inside of me drawing me to God. We didn't, my, my family, we never went to the church. We only had one Bible in our whole household. We didn't know any, I didn't know anything about God, but I knew something was missing, and I knew something was calling me. He was knocking at the door of my heart. See, when you have a face-to-face encounter, no matter what you go through, no matter what's going on in life, you will never be alone. You will always know Him. In John chapter 9, there was a guy, I talked about this last week if you were here, a blind man who was blind, and uh, Jesus comes around and He heals this blind man. But those Pharisees, those intellectual people, those people who didn't know the Lord, those people who had a tradition, but they were, they were trying to discredit Jesus, and so they were calling Him a sinner, and and, and making fun of him and, and trying to discredit him. And, and But Jesus heals this blind man. So they turn to the blind man and says, What do you say about Jesus in verse 17? And the blind man says, I don't know if he was a sinner or not, but this is one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Amen? See, the thing about Jesus, he's alive and he transforms your life if you give him an opportunity to do that. 
Paul was a skeptic. He went around and, and killed Christians until he had an encounter on the road to Damascus. Had an encounter with Jesus and it stopped him. That's why he says in 2 Timothy, I know whom I believed and convinced that he is able. See, the greatest proof that Jesus is who he said he was is to change lives. And there's over 2 billion changed lives in this world today who says that he is the Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. See, Jesus defined himself. Who is he? In the book of John, he says seven statements. Seven I am's. I, I don't have time to go through all of them. I'm going to give you four of them. These are what we call I am statements. He describes, this is who I am. And in, in the first one, he says, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. See, the thing about Jesus is telling us today, he offers real fulfillment. That's our Lord. When you receive Him, you receive real fulfillment. When you encounter Jesus, you start following Him, there's fulfillment in Jesus. The second I am statement that Jesus says, He says, I am the light of the world. He is the light of the world. See, there was a woman caught in adultery and, um, and these men brought her to Jesus. They were wanting to stone her. Jesus sits down and He's writing in the the sand of uh, probably some people think that they were, he was writing the names of all the people who actually had been with this woman. The ones who actually had stone. He says, those who without any sin cast the first stone. And none of them did. They dropped their stones and walked off. And Jesus looks to this woman and says, where are your accusers? He says, I don't even accuse you. Go and sin no more. See, the thing about him being the light of the world, he offers real forgiveness. He offers transformation. So many people are insecure about how God views their mistakes. They think he's the light of the world just to show how bad you really are. But actually, he's, he came to shed light, not just on your faults, but he's come to bring light to the dark places in your life so you can have a way out. You're going down the wrong road, and he says, listen, look at this other road. I died for you so you wouldn't have to go down that road. And I'm alive for you so you can go this way. He came to bring light to dark places. John 3.17 says God didn't come into this world to condemn this world, but this world might be saved through him. He loves you as you are, but he loves you so much not to leave you that way. Aren't you glad? Amen? He brings security in the face of our shortcomings. Jesus came to bring light, to set us free, not to make us sorry. But he's the light of the world to show us a better way. And that's what he's doing in, in our lives. He's showing us a better way. I've, 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 been, I've been a believer, follower of Jesus since, since 1983. And he's always shown me a better way that I can live and I can be. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting better every single day of my life because he is leading me, guiding me. He is the light of the world. Amen? The third I am statement. 
He says, I am the door, or I am the gate. And he, and he talks about, in John 10, 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. He's talking about a shepherd and how a shepherd leads his flock. A shepherd and his flock, it's almost like the shepherd is a friend, is a protector, is, it's, it's a father in a sense that's loving his flock and protecting his flock and leading and guiding his flock. The thing about he's the door, he opens up the way to find the Father God. So we won't have to ever feel alone. We won't have to ever feel left out or insecure because Jesus is Lord and we're following Him. He's directing and guiding us. He opens the door to who He is and shows us the Father. And He becomes His friend. He's a good shepherd. He lays His life down for His sheep. I love it that he did this. Jesus said this. He says, no longer do I call you slaves or servants, but I call you my friends. Isn't that great? That we are a friend of God. And then the fourth I am statement of who Jesus says he is. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die, do you believe this? Do you believe this? See, the thing about this resurrection life, he has power so that we might have life. Not just now, but for eternity. That we can enjoy the salvation. You know, your eternal life, eternal life starts when you give your life to Jesus. It doesn't start when you go to heaven. It doesn't start when you, you die. It is starting now and he has the power and gives us the power to live that life. Some of you are afraid of death. You have no assurance of life after death. Jesus is the only one that remo- removes that fear of death. It removes the doubt in our lives. That why are we here? And he gives and he comes in and he brings us purpose. The question for you today, and this is what Jesus asked, and I, I can see him doing this. He's on the edge of his seat, if he's seated, I'm not sure. But just say that he is. And he's looking at you today. Do you believe this? Who do you say that I am? Now some of you, you might have been given your life for the been years and years ago. I still have to look at this question and say, yes, by faith, I believe it. No matter how many trials I've been through, no matter how many hardships and good times that I've had, I believe it. It doesn't matter what's on TV, on social media, or in the movies. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He rose from the dead, and He is my Savior. He has empowered me to do great things, and I will walk as He walked on this earth. I will be like Him. Amen? He's asking you, what is your answer? What is your verdict? Who do you say that He is? I want to encourage you to do three things today. With that question, who do you say that He is? Number one, you need to settle his 
proclaiming. Romans 1, 4 in the Living Bible says this, By being raised from the dead, he was proved to be the mighty Son of God with the holy nature of God himself. See, everyone who has presented Jesus has to decide, is he a liar, is he a lunatic, or is he Lord? It can't just be, I believe he was a good teacher because he can't be a good teacher because a good teacher would not say, I am God and I'm the only way to heaven. If he's Lord, then everything is true. You have to settle that claim in your heart today. I believe God has you here for a purpose. He has you watching on social media right now on our live stream. He has you here to settle that in your heart. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? And if he's Lord, then everything he said is true. It's your decision. And here's the second response I, I recommend you doing after you settle that claim. And hopefully, hopefully you settle that claim that he is Lord. He is the Son of God. Then I, I pray today that you will do this thing. That you will make him the Lord of your life. Our response needs to be more than belief. We need to commit our lives to Him. And Jesus talks about it as a wedding. And my daughter gets married here in two weeks. And, and I'm going to be performing that wedding. And I'm going to see her and whatever His name is. Um, <laughs> sorry. Johnny. They're going to come up and they're going to be up on this stage. And I'm going to see both of them, the groom and the bride, commit their life to each other. Only to each other. See, Jesus is asking you to do the same thing. Commit your life to Him. Make Him the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never done that before. Because you've, you've only known Him through tradition or intellect. But it's time for you to make that decision that says, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and He is the Son of God. And I make Him the Lord of my life. Maybe you've done that maybe many years ago, but it wasn't really an encounter with the Lord. You, you, you might have did it because of peer pressure or you just you just it was told that you're supposed to believe. See Jesus doesn't make you do anything. He offers this freely as a free gift for all of us and he wants us and needs us to receive it in order to partake of all that he has for us. So I encourage you to make him the Lord of your life. And the third thing I pray that you'll experience His power. Too many people leave His benefits on the table. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe Him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. God wants to become your Father, your Protector, your Lord. So who do you say that He is? Is He the Son of God? Then receive Him as that. And I know you won't regret it because He is able 
and to do everything in your life. No matter what you've been going through, He's able to come into your life and start transforming you and transforming your life. Amen? His power is great to do that. That video that we saw at the very beginning was about the emptiness. And a lot of times we feel emptiness, but there must be more than this. I pray that you'll settle the claim. That you'll say that He's Lord. That you'll receive Him as your Lord and Savior today. And that you will begin to experience the power of God in your life. That will transform your life. I'm not saying that everything is going to be great and there's no, no problems going to happen. But you'll have power to overcome them today. Can everyone bow your head and close your eyes right now? So as you have your eyes closed, no one looking around. Jesus is asking you, do you believe this? Who do you say that I am? And on this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, He has power to change. Maybe you're like me, that you're, you're sitting there and there's something tugging at your heart. You know you need to make that decision today. Well, I want to give you an opportunity right now to do that. Like Paul says, confess Jesus that he rose from the dead. Make him the Lord of your life, and you will be saved. That means he'll come into your life, and you can have a real relationship with the Son of God. Father God. So if that's you right now in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. When you raise your hand in just a moment, you can put it down. But I want to pray with you right where you're at. There may be people in here that you've, you've, you've come here today, but you had given your life a long time ago to the Lord, but maybe you slipped away. Maybe you really didn't encounter Him fully. I don't know what the reason was why you started to deny him and went back and took control of your life. And But you may think he's mad at you, but he's not. He is the light of the world. He's not the light just to show how bad you are. He's the light to show you how to get out of that pit that you're in. He wants you to come back to him. So in just a moment, when I ask people to raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. You need to recommit your life to the story again and lose control to your story and come to his story. So if that's you, you fall into those two categories. You need to give your life to him for the very first time or you need to come back to him. No one looking around. I want to pray with you right where you're at. Please just lift your hands up to the sky right now. And okay, you can put your hands down all over the place. People are raising their hands. This is a, an act of faith when we do this, when we raise our hands. We're saying to Jesus, that's, that's me. I need you. I want you. I, I, I'm tired of living the life that I'm living. I want a resurrection Sunday. I want this to be my resurrection Sunday. I want this to be my do-over. I want this to be a brand new start for my life. If that's you and you didn't raise your hand before, raise it right now. Anybody else in here? Okay, you can put your hands down. 
okay? You can put your hands down all over the place. God is going to make a new story in your life. He's going to start a new life in you. This is the beginning of your life right now. So let's everyone in this room pray this prayer after me. And if you raise your hand or you wanted to but you didn't, God's going to meet you where you're at right now. Because we're going to pray it by faith. That means we're going to believe it as much as we know how to believe it. And God's going to come in and He's going to start a new thing in you. He's going to start a new life in you. He's going to trans- start the transformation of your life today because of your decision to say yes to Jesus, to say that He is the Lord, He is the Son of God, and He is powerful, and He rose from the dead, and I receive Him right now. So let's all pray this prayer, everyone in this room. Pray this prayer after me. Repeat after me. Say, Father God. I commit my life to you. I give you my life. Jesus, I believe that you rose again and that you are sitting at the right hand of the Father God. You are alive. And I make you the Lord, the boss of my life. I give you my life and I receive your life. In Jesus' name. And from this day forward, I will serve you. And I am the Son of God. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Come on, give the Lord praise today. Amen. Woo! God is so good. Listen, I'm going to tell you.